Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Uncommon Comedy Podcast, episode 12. Uh, excited to have you here today. we got a wonderful, wonderful show. Um, what I'd like to do is just uh, really quickly, uh, we are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and on Spotify, so you can listen to us there. We're obviously on YouTube, so you can check us out there. Search Uncommon Comedy Podcast, or you can follow us on Facebook at Uncommon Comedy, Instagram at Uncommon Comedy Tour, and YouTube Uncommon Comedy Podcast. So we're going to get into it today. Uh, my guest today is uh, very, very funny. One of the funniest people I I've had a chance to work with. She is uh, amazing. She's a comedian. She's a writer, and uh, she's appeared all over, you know, all over the globe. Um, you may have seen her on Drybar, and we're going to bring her in, Karen Rontowski. Karen, how are you? Hi, how are you? I'm too Do many things to remember. You are. You've done everything. <laughs> You've done everything in this business. So. Um, I remember the first time I saw you, because I've heard your name for uh, uh, many years now, and I remember the first time uh, we worked together, it was, I want to say it was up in Orange, um, California, and we, we did a show together, a couple hundred people, and I was really excited because I'm like, oh, I finally get to see, you know, Karen, and I had no idea what to expect, and I was like, all right, let's see, and you were just so amazing, you're so funny. Um, your writing is is so great. You have this very quirky but friendly and um, very smart uh, one-liner type of um, persona. It's like a little bit of Stephen Wright. It's a little bit of you know. Um, I need you. I need you to be my press person. <laughs> <laughs> That's too much. Thank you. Oh uh, no! Thank you for being here. I absolutely love you. I think you're 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 hysterical and and you're extremely extremely funny. So. Uh, thank you again for for taking some time today. Um, so so let's talk a little bit about uh, you. How did you get started in stand up? Who inspired you, or what inspired you? Well, I always wanted to be a stand up. I think some uh, most stand ups are born like that's just what you want to do. And um, I have kind of the same stories as everybody. I had uh, you know Bill Cosby albums, Steve Martin albums, New by Heart. Bob Newhart was one of my favorites, my parents' old albums of Bob Newhart. And uh, overall, I think it all came together when I heard Gracie Allen, because she really is my favorite ever. Uh, a lot of young people are like, who is Gracie <laughs> Allen? Well, she was even way before my time, but if you look her up, she was. her stuff is still so funny and, and, and just really, it was so well-written and she was, um, very ladylike and she was in her own world which is you've noticed that about my comedy i'm in my own world mm -hmm. uh, but i love for everyone to come along and um so i never really thought that you just do that i mean i was from a small town in massachusetts i was like yeah that's you go here's what you do in massachusetts you uh go to college then you get married then you have kids all three things that i want nothing to do with and um <laughs> Then I went, I just got on a plane when I, I finished college a semester early because I hated it. And I just was like, I got to get out of here. And then I flew to Vegas and became a cigarette girl. And I met a bellman that did open mic. And he uh, asked me if I wanted to come. And I opened with a dirty, terrible old street joke. And the place went bananas. And then everything else I had written was terrible. But <laughs> it was so exciting that when the MC came to take me off stage, I like grabbed him and gave him a kiss. Now keep in mind, I'm like 24 years old and I'm all in short skirts and stuff. And it was so, he was like, oh my God. And now I realize how hysterical that is. 
but I was like, I thought, you know, this is it. That now I'm done. Now this You're is all I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. So you that. now you uh, you were from Massachusetts. What part of Massachusetts? Uh, Pittsfield. Okay. Yep. That's so, uh. Yeah, I'm from. Line. Yeah, I'm on. Uh, I'm from Arlington originally. So I'm out in the. I was out in oh. the east. I went to college in Fitchburg. Oh, okay. I, sorry, we're named a uh, town dropping. I lived in Lunenburg <laughs> for a while, so which was right oh, next to Fitchburg. So right. that's very cool. So, so you didn't do any comedy out in uh, the Boston area. You just started out and started in kind of started in Vegas it, at that time, especially. I don't know about now, but at that time, Vegas wasn't really a place you started. It was kind of a place you came when you were done. So I didn't do much, but I moved to San Diego. And there was the comedy store, the improv, the comedy aisle. It was just right as comedy was just peaking. And uh, I think the comedy store in La Jolla was really my home. I was there Sunday mm. through Thursday night every week. Yeah, it's a great, uh, it's a great club out there. Still there today. So if you're out in that area, definitely check it out. Um, <clears throat> so, so what do you remember uh, about the early? <clears throat> Excuse me. What uh, the early process of, of comedy and just trying to get those chops up and those early shows? You know, it's the um, it's sort of like it's just I don't want to say it's just hard, but it like it's kind of like I live out here in L.A. and there's a lot of people that get on stage once and they bring their friends and their friends laugh and then they go, I'm a comedian. And I'm like, yeah, you're not, you're not really <laughs> a comedian. Uh, the thing in the beginning is it's about persistence. You got to keep writing. You got to keep going. You got to learn everything. That there's no school. You can go to as many comedy schools as you want, but nobody's going to teach you how to handle a crowd, how to handle a heckler, all the stuff that actually makes it exciting. And I remember I always laugh because I say for like the first, I don't know, 15 years, I couldn't eat two hours before a show. I was so worried my stomach would be upset. And now I could eat on stage. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, it, it, now all those things that were scary are like this part that makes it exciting. Mm, that's pretty cool. I, uh, yeah, I finally got to the point where I can eat pretty much at any time uh, beforehand. <laughs> Mine was more for the fear of just if it didn't agree with me, you know, right, like, right. then you're like, oh, you're on stage and, you know, your stomach gets upset. Then you're like, well, I'm in trouble. So, yeah. um, <laughs> I've heard some stories from people, so I'm like, I, I don't want that. Uh, I don't want that scenario. Right. So how, how long did it take for things to, uh, you said you were getting up like five nights a week. Um, how long did it take for things to start to kind of click in for you? Um, I actually think they clicked in, I want to say, you could say three to five years they started to go. But I kind of say that time where I was, I had this, I, I had friends, the comedy store and the improv didn't get along, right. but I got along with both. And I would wait tables at both or bartend at the comedy store when I didn't have work. So I could go out on the road, come home, I need work at home. So I had this great setup and I would say it's about 10 years in before I didn't need anything. Maybe a little longer, um, maybe a little longer because people think it happens fast. It doesn't happen that fast. I know a lot of people think they're ready right away. And at that time, there were so many comics. You know, it's starting to thin out a little now. But I definitely took my time also. Um, and then it was just all the time. I mean, 
I don't know. I, it's so funny. I have no concept of time. So whenever someone asks me about time, last month and 10 years ago seemed the same to me. <laughs> um, but I do know. But I mean, I really went out there on the road. I was out on the road all the time. And I always felt like, you know, I was a clean female. Um, and people loved that. They always wanted a clean female middle. So clubs would have me in and uh, headliners like to work with me. And I could, I would get like five clubs in Ohio and I'd just be on Ohio for five weeks or I'd get Michigan or I'd get Kentucky and I'd just keep going. Um, but the funny thing is, and I, I think this is, I don't know if this is still true. They love you, a female as a feature, very, you get booted, you get moved ahead of the guys, mm -hmm. but female to headliner, no, you have to wait. They'll move men up before you. So, so I spent a lot, a lot of time featuring, and then I just started, it got to the point where it wasn't enough money, and I just had to say no, and then everybody headlined me. Hmm. So why do you, um, I was going to ask you about that, the, the, the challenges um, from a female being a female comedian, there's, there's always that stereotype that uh, women aren't funny and all of that nonsense. <clears throat> what kind of, um, what kind of, uh, I don't want to say backlash, but what, what kind of issues did that cause for you? Um, you know, I kind of think, I don't always talk about that a lot because if you're a woman, they don't like women. If you're uh, African American, they don't they don't they don't want to put in an African. We're worried white people won't come to the show. If you're uh, uh, Iranian, they're oh people aren't going. So if you're a white guy, there's too many white guys. Everything you know, it's well, a really good club. Just books who they like and people trust it. But I I feel like as um, I feel like everybody sort of got their cross to bear in this business, and they're all valid. All mm -hmm. those complaints are valid. There's always something wrong with you when you want the job. It, it's uh, we're looking, we're really looking for this. But all I can say to everyone is just keep going, because you are knocking down those walls. Um, you know, now it sort of seems to split off too. Like some clubs are very Latino clubs, and some are very uh, black clubs. But I just say to everybody, there's enough room. Just keep going and try not to think about it. Um, I'm sure there's times it was definitely there um, and apparent, but I try. I, I after a while, I learned it's not use, useless to complain. Yeah, I, I always found that interesting because um, I like to produce shows too, um, as well as perform. But I like to have a nice balance of a, a good representation of the country. So I, I love having females on. I love having minorities on because it's different perspectives. It's no one wants a show with six, you know, middle-aged white dudes who are all single or whatever, like it's the same. So you want to get those different perspectives. And I, I think having, you know, variety is, is important, especially where people's attention span isn't as, uh, as good as it used to be. And also, you're a younger generation than me, and I think you guys and then the generation before you are going to get that right. I think you guys, it's so, it, to me, it feels so much less, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it's like that. They just, they want to hear everybody. And I think the world is starting to get like that. Um, so, yeah, I, but I'm, I'm sure it's always, you know, and there's always some jackass that makes a comment. And I remember my first time on um, Comedy Central. This was many years ago. I can't believe this person is still working there. 
But I got on live at Gotham, and when I walked in and told them who I was, the woman yelled, hey, the token is here. Wow. Right? Right. At that, like, I don't know if she thought that was funny or the people there did. Um, but that was like, I felt my heart drop, like, oh, uh, like my first TV appearance on this network. And that's what she had to say. And um, I, you know, it probably, it, when you hear something like that, it goes under a magnifying glass. And then you're like, is everybody booking me for that or whatever? But it doesn't matter. You know, there's, here's the other thing too. And I see this a lot. And I, sometimes I see women that are very pretty move ahead of women that are funnier than them. Mm -hmm. And you know what? That's fine. If I, I, I don't care either way, everybody, if everybody keeps working and keeps doing their thing, they're going to get eventually what they deserve. It's the staying with it. You know? Right. Right. And men have that same problem. That yeah. What someone looks like. Absolutely. Um, also, you are getting some reflection on your, your glasses oh, now. Glasses look, yeah. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, to, to touch on that, it's, it's um, like, especially with, with television and, and things like America's Got Talent and, you know, Last Comic Standing and all these other shows, it's what they're looking for. And you have to remember it's casting. It's not, yeah. you know, it's, it's the stories they want to tell. It's not, uh, a matter of whether you're funny or not. I mean, generally they view everybody as you consider to be funny or talented, but what's that thing that they're looking for? So you have people who are saying, well, you know, I'm getting passed over because, you know, she's this, you know, younger uh, female and like, yes, because they're, yeah, that's exactly, that's you know, how that works. You know, it's funny though, because I always feel like, um, and yes, that's casting. I feel like the internet is the great equalizer mm. because you can do the other thing is I do understand that sometimes there is something else there that people grab onto. Like um, I had a, a friend who definitely didn't get as many laughs as I did, but she told stories right. and a big, you know, and she would open for me. And that, that half of the crowd was like, we want to hear more stories. So, and I was, you know, so it's always the trade. Some people do have something that others want to hold on to. When you can really find what is uniquely you, that is the key. And to just keep working it. Like, you know, I read tarot cards and I do the paranormal. Mm -hmm. That is my direction. Now, if I can write a special that other people can watch and come into my world, that's, that's the key right there. Um, and, and with the internet, you, we know, you know, there's so many ways to promote yourself. There's so many places to be that it's almost like the power has been taken away. It used to be three shows. You could be on the tonight show or Letterman or, um, Conan mm -hmm. and, and you made it or you didn't. And now go get them. How many times do you go to a club and there's somebody headlining and you're like, who's that? It's like a YouTube person that mm -hmm. brought in a million people. Yeah. There's so many and, and that they don't, the, the club owners don't care whether they can tell a joke or not. Right. Uh, I mean, that's the reality of it. I, I know a lot of people want to say, well, I'm funny and this guy's not, but they're, they're interested in butts and seats and selling drinks. And you know, like that's, it's show yeah. business. So it's, and you know what too, that guy probably won't be around in 20 years. And if right. you're funny, you will. That's true. That's true. But, and I, you know, I don't begrudge anybody. I think that's great. Like go out and, and, if if you're able to go ahead and, and get 20 million followers, then good on you. Like, 
(laughs) show me how to do that so so i can (laughs) so i can do this you've done a a great thing where you sort of took it on yourself to put together shows yes not the show you're going to put one together that's it right there boom well, and, and the reason, too, that I, uh, I do that is because I, um, I started in Boston and it, there was this, you know, tradition of, of quality shows. And um, I would look around the scene and I just go, you know, there's some good shows, but I, I feel it could be better. And I just wanted to get like really good quality comics and just go, this is what it could be instead mm-hmm. of all these guys just going, oh, what am I talking about? Or here's right. this body part or that body part joke. And it's like, OK, what else you got? So yeah, yeah. part of it, part of it was very selfish because I didn't want to hear that anymore. You know, I didn't want to have to follow someone who did, you know, 25 minutes of, of, you know, dirty material yeah. Yeah. or swearing, swearing yeah. can, can, even if it's not dirty, swearing can really mess up a crowd. And a lot of comics think that they don't understand that it's the same category. Yeah. And it's, I mean, there, there's a way to swear. There's a, you know, there's a proper way to swear. If you're going to, if you are going to swear, then like learn that and use it for effect and use it for, yeah. you know, purpose as opposed I'm to, it's like, to get, I hate that the camera's <laughs> over here. Cause I'm always like, I'm always in one corner. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's, it's a, it's been weird kind of getting used to looking at myself talk and I know and I seeing, can't stand it. So I yeah, it's, looking at you. I'm yeah, I'm doing the same. I'm looking at you. So <laughs> we're here for each other. <clears throat> um, so, what was the best advice you received about comedy? Um, you know what? Okay, I'll tell you who gave me the best advice. Don. Um, oh, what's his name? Uh, you older guy, Don Myrera. Don, I love Don. Uh, it was when I was first starting out, and. Uh, you know, when we were in San Diego, there were like three clubs and everything was very clicky. And um, I remember I was worried, is this club going to be mad because of this? Or you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Somebody's always mad at somebody. There's always some feud. And he looked at me and he said, don't worry about it. You can't be fired from show business. Hmm. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> He's right. You're going to number one, you're going to make somebody mad. I had a manager that wouldn't let me stand up for anyone. And I'm very big on standing up for who I think is right. And after a while, I was like, yeah, that's why no one knows who you are, because you've never spoken up. But it's true. You can't be fired. You go, this place doesn't work. Go to that place, you know. Um, But I always thought that was such an interesting even statement. You can't be fired from a show business. Huh. That's so true. I yeah. never heard that before. That's really good. Um, now, how long have you been doing stand-up? Uh, out of curiosity, thirty-five years. Wow. No, thirty. Wait, thirty. Twenty-five to fifty-five. Thirty. Thirty. I'm sorry. See, I really have trouble with time. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a it's a great thing though. What um. Was there a particular reason um, you, you talk about, like you have friends who do stories and you were more set up punchline. Was there some sort of influence in that decision or did you try doing stories before or like what shaped your style? Well, I wanted to learn to write a joke. I, writing was like, I was such a technical writer and um, I want that to me was the biggest deal because I was very nervous at first. I didn't have any other stage performance and I was very kind of stiff. So I had to rely, the jokes had to be that good for me to get a laugh. 
as I got better on stage and became more am animated and it became more me, it was much better. But I was so determined to learn to be the best writer ever. And um, it was almost like when the beginning of Facebook came out, I didn't realize that these things I were thinking that weren't necessarily jokes were going to get big laughs. Mm -hmm. And I'd post them on Facebook and I'd go, oh, that can go in the act. And they were more of the, sometimes you see me do a long line of one-liners. They're very odd and they're not exactly technical jokes, but they're, that's sort of where the essence of me came through is these strange kind of thoughts. Um, you know, talking to bugs, wondering why a bug is on my ceiling, that kind of thing. Um, so I think that it was getting that base in writing. I know a lot of people teach comedy classes and they start with, who are you? You know, where did you come from? Which is a good start. But if you can't write a joke, none of that matters. So mm. learning to write. And it's interesting because now I'm actually trying to work on a special that is the whole thing is one paranormal story, something that happened to me that is I, it, right now people are kind of loving it because it's a one of a kind and it's true. But now I'm almost reverse engineering it in that I have the story. Mm -hmm. So now I'm going to fill in these points in between. Mm -hmm. So at this point I can talk about Ouija boards. So the story goes on an offshoot about Ouija boards. But it's the first time I'm not just pulling in any premise and writing it. I'm going, you have to make that funny. You have to make that part of the story funny. And it's very, very challenging, but it's very fun. It was nice to make that switch. It is. Uh, and you mentioned having, you know, one long bit. And every time this comes up, I, I always mention Larry Miller and his, uh, the, I don't know if you ever seen The Secret of Skiing, which is uh, 35 minutes. Uh, I hadn't so seen that. If, if you, you know, for some inspiration, just check out Larry Miller's Secret of Skiing. It's 35 minutes, and he has punchlines, like, every 10 seconds. Oh, I wish it's that. It's, you know, that, A. Whitney Brown did a shorter version of that mm -hmm. that was my favorite thing ever. And for, com for people that are comedy fans, it's just a huge callback. It's right. just a callback. And then this is all the stuff that happens in between. These are our jokes. And, this is what I'm doing. and then here's the beginning. Here's the end. I literally put it in a mathematical formula at one point. Wow. Because I was so obsessed with the story. Like it's like outline A, B. And it, and it is, it's so simple. And yet it's so hard because if you don't have the perfect callback, it looks forced. If the callback is smooth, it works. And uh, could you just explain what a callback is for, for people who may not be? So a callback would be um, uh, when you mention something early and then you bring it back in another joke. So it would be, um, let me think of a good callback because I have a bunch in my act and I can't. Uh, one of the things I say uh, in the beginning of my act, uh, let me see, that's a tough one to come up with one that's nice and easy. <laughs> um, well, I mean, you explained what it is. It's just referring back to the previous joke. Yes, yes. And it ties events together. Um, it just ties the whole thing together. Um, if anybody sees my haunted mirror story, that's another one that's a big callback. But A. Whitney Brown, who was like this brilliant political comic, did the silliest story I've ever seen. 
and it I believe I could find out the name of it for you in a second if you want but that I was taken with that whole thing it was brilliant it was ridiculous it was um in it, when he was done Johnny Carson said it's not gonna get any funnier than that wow I mean to get that from Johnny Carson then that's yeah. <laughs> you're, you're made at that point yeah um, so, so we're talking a little bit about you you writing uh, and trying to work on this new um, half hour uh, bit. What is your writing process like normally? Well, I hate writing. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. <laughs> um, and now, and it changes, but right now, first thing in the morning, I set an alarm for 30 minutes and I have to sit there for 30 minutes. And that is the hardest thing in the world for me. I'm not a sitter, I'm a mover. Um, so it's kind of like that now. Um, sometimes I'll just write a joke. My desk is covered with a clear sticky thing, a, like a tax paper so I can use it as a whiteboard. So okay. sometimes in the morning, the name of the joke is like Ouija board. And then it's like, that's there. So all day I know, just think about it, come up with it, what is it? Um, but it's mostly forcing myself to sit and do it. And then, but it's also one of these things where the more you do it, the more it becomes a habit, which is great. But I feel like I go long stretches with crap and then all of a sudden everything is funny. Mm. It's because it's interesting, like your brain will wander off. Like if you sit there and you go Ouija board, Ouija board, Ouija board, and then you start going other board games and then you start going, oh, it's Monopoly, it's this. And you're like, no, no, no. And then all of a sudden you find yourself over talking about, you know, styrofoam cups and you're like, wait, no, 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 come, come back. <laughs> and, but And also I have a, um, it was one of the first things I think I ever made and it came from a couple of things and it's literally a format of how to do it, which is you start with the who, what, where, why, and when, mm -hmm. okay? I then make a list of who's involved in this joke. What is everyone's um, perspective on this joke? And if I still haven't found anything, I go, what is my opinion on this joke, okay? Then I also have a wild card, which is something that has nothing to do with it that I throw it in. It's like if I'm talking about Ouija boards and then I bring in an onion, it, which is very like, what? Yeah. But that's, you know, my act is kind of like, yeah. wait, what is she talking about? <laughs> um, so, and then the last is you make that list and see where it connects. And this has been one of the biggest things for me. So you almost hit exactly what I was saying. So Ouija board is what? It's uh, talking to the dead. It's the alphabet. It's the, um, you know, the board game, this, all this. So then you go, well, wait a minute. What if I didn't have a Ouija board? What if I use a Scrabble game? Now, mm. what's the problem? What's the difference there? Or the trouble with the Ouija board. I'll never that's forget really that someone, what was that? <laughs> so that's really funny, the Scrabble board. Yeah. I already like that. It's, uh, uh, it's, de it's uh, words with dead friends is what that is. Uh, <laughs> and then, but there's so much, like the Ouija board has so much. Like at one point, it's, it's like, I don't want to open the next dimension in my apartment because I'm afraid of it. So you put the emotion in. But when you can start listing that is when your brain, I think my brain really opens up. In mm. fact, um, I've been working on Ouija board stuff forever and I have a pretty big chunk, but I want another chunk. It's just a very interesting thing. You know, you got the alphabet in there. Well, what about the Chinese alphabet? How big is that board? Or, you know, and then you, once you have the idea, you go, all right, I'm outside of the thought now. I'm out, out where I need to be. Then it's the crafting. 
of well, if this word is the punchline, it's got to be at the end. So right. you gotta you gotta twist that. So it's a it's a process. Are you saying uh, you know I don't want to open a portal uh, to my apartment just because I haven't cleaned it yet, or you know I have to clean, <laughs> or you know like I was like okay, right. wouldn't get my security deposit back, right? Yeah. Why, you, what comes through the portal? Why is Hitler at your place? Yeah. Do you do that? Uh, where you do multiple? Um, I, I call it the rule of ten. Where if I'm looking for a punchline. Uh, I'll just make a list and just just to get my brain cleared out, and then nine of them will be okay, and then one you go, that's it. Yes, exactly. Sometimes I do that even to that exact number, and it's funny because you, I don't always have to do that because I right. think eventually your brain is yep. trained, which is why I love talking to the crowd because talking to the crowd is the most challenge that your brain will ever be. You're up there. What's your job? Who's this with you? It's all happening like that. And when you get like, a, there's a lot of comics I know that can work with the crowd, but can't write. But I feel like if you can work with the crowd, you can write. And if you can write, you can, you know, you just need to get your brain in shape. Cause that's, yeah, that's my biggest fear with the, the, the 10 or whatever. I'm to the point, like you said, you kind of know yourself. It'll take maybe three or four and I'm like, okay, there it is. Um, but as far as talking to the crowd, I, well, one, I was never, um, we weren't allowed to. It was very frowned upon. In, right, in it was frowned upon, and now it's back. Yeah, and so I've never developed that skill. And so that's one of the things when I go back, I'm going to do is start working uh, some crowd work because it's just a, a tool I've never used, and it just, well, you know, you, tell you, yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. First of all, you... Uh, every comic should learn it, even if it's just for the fact that somebody's going to tell you you need to do a half hour, and then they're going to say, so-and-so didn't show up, mm -hmm. can you do 45? And you mm -hmm. want to be able to go, of course I can, of course I can. I'll do 20 minutes of crowd work or whatever. I'll make fun of your company or whatever. Right. But here's your trick to crowd work. People don't realize if I say, um, oh, it's your birthday, happy birthday, what do you do? And then the person says, I work in a toll booth. Okay. So immediately you got to go two ways with that is first of all, you can't punch down. Right. Well, you couldn't get a better job. We couldn't, or you can go, Oh, would you like You got to go with the person. So you can say, would you like me to blow some smoke in your face? You feel like you're at work with the exhaust or whatever you're going to do. You got to go right on that level with them. And number two, if you don't have anything, you always have to have your way to back out, okay? So if I go, what do you do for a living? And he has something funny. I go off on it, blah, 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 big laugh, 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 laugh. Then I go, well, you know what? Happy birthday. On my last birthday, I had blah, blah, blah happen. So I already have my out. Mm. I'm not struggling for a clunky out. And if it goes wrong and I go, what do you do for a living? And the guy says, I work in a toll booth. And I go, nothing. I can go, well, good. You know what? Happy birthday. Well, you know what happened on my last birthday? But -da 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 -da. So as long as you've got a way out, it doesn't matter how much is in between. Huh. That's really, thank you. That's, <laughs> see, I'm you're learning so, too. <laughs> you're so funny. This is going to be a snap. You just have to decide you're going to do it and you're going to yeah. be like, oh my God. And you're going to kill. Thank you. I, I it's it's one of those things where you just you know you have that rhythm and you go this is kind of how it's designed and it's built and and my act is just kind of I'm very much like a, an energy like go 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 ride them ride them ride them and so to like <laughs> slow down but I, I like for check drop it's always you know 
I've always hit that part of the check drop and I'm like, oh, you know, yeah. and I don't stop and acknowledge it or I've started to acknowledge it and kind of do a little bit of crowd work and that's where would be a good place to do it. But um, uh, another good place is like I play Vegas a lot and the people mm -hmm. in Vegas are overly stimulated, overly stimulated. And if you're like the third act on, and in Vegas, you don't usually have a bad act. Like you're playing uh, after two headliners and it's like, you got to be on top of your game. Right. So if I see them start to get tired, go right in the crowd. Cause everybody sits up like, Oh, is she going to come over here? Right. So you can bring a crowd right back in with that. Hmm. Okay. That's, that's really good. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but not looking forward to it because <laughs> You're going to love it. You're going to call me in six months and go, Karen, I stopped writing because I just want to talk to the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be that'll be a wonderful problem to have. That'll be great. Um, so uh, wh what comedian makes you laugh? So many, uh, so many make me laugh. Um, for famous people that people would know, Sebastian, and I can't pronounce his last name, he really makes me laugh. Um who else? Uh, Jackie Cation makes me laugh. Brian Kylie makes me laugh. Um, Lori Kilmartin. Oh, she's it, great. Yeah. I just watched her <laughs> and I almost couldn't laugh because I was in such awe. Of just, I was like, oh, oh my God. Um, let's see who else makes me laugh. Jessa Reed makes me laugh. Most of my, all my friends make me laugh. Dana Eagle is so funny. Um, she's great too. James P on James P comedy mm -hmm. is always funny. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, it's hard to pick because I get to hang around the funniest people out there. Yeah, it's great. But it's, it, the good thing is that there's a lot of people that make you laugh because a lot of comedians can get really jaded and bitter. And, um, it's, it's sometimes hard to shut off that part of your brain where you go, Oh, I know where this is going. Right. And, uh, it's, it's always a good sign when they can pull you in and just still just, you know, surprise you or make you laugh. Or even if you do know what the joke is, you still, you know, laugh a hundred times because it's, it's great. Yeah. It's uh, the vibe. You know, Dwayne Perkins is. Amazing. Oh, I love Dwayne. He's so, so funny. And outside the box. Yeah. He was, uh, I, I used to work with him a, a lot back in Boston. I haven't worked with him as much out here. And then he went off to New York and then to LA and uh, another good guy with another, uh, also has a dry bar special, which uh, you have as well. Um, which is at uh, drybarcomedy.com uh, slash Karen. Um, definitely check I that out. I got the Karen. There's, I don't know if they've had other Karens, but <laughs> I got the Karen. Yeah, that's that's good. You know, I you don't want one of those weird, weird ones. Yeah. So that's good. Um, and uh, also, if people want to follow you, uh, you can be found on uh, at uh, www.karenrontowski.com. That's R-O-N-T-O-W-S-K-I.com. Mm -hmm. uh, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, at Rontowski. Um, and then you And also I have 1,000 YouTube channels. One is comedy, <laughs> one is uh, funny paranormal, and one is my podcast called Paranormal Karen. Paranormal Karen. <laughs> Gee, what are you talking about there? <laughs> <laughs> Do you, um, do you combine those? Uh, do you bring any of the comedy in there or no? Is it strictly well, more? Some of it in the podcast, yes. Some of them can get pretty scary. But actually, I should look at this date. At the end of the month, I'm doing a Zoom show that is, it is the 27th at Flappers. If you go to Flappers Comedy at 7 p.m., it's my psychic stand-up show where Lamont Ferguson, there's mm -hmm. the person that makes me laugh, one of my best friends, he does a half hour or almost 20 to a half hour. I do that. And then 
I work my audience work in I read tarot for the crowd and he takes the questions and someone asks me a question and we do funny but real tarot readings and it's very unique and it's my favorite thing to do oh that's so cool tell uh tell him I said hi I haven't uh, seen him in a while because he will we yeah psychic stand-up yeah psychic stand-up I like that and that's at flappers you said yeah if they go to flappers they can buy tickets it's a zoom show okay cool very cool um so now we've talked about some of like the, the, the good stuff and the fun. Here comes the other fun one. What is your worst show ever? Worst show ever. Um, that's interesting because I always want to say when I first started out in Pocatello, Idaho. Oh, I'll tell you my worst show ever. I got stuck. I thought this was a good idea. It was not. In Elko, Nevada, I got hired for a three-month show, four dancers, a singer, and me. Uh, so horrible. All Elko, Nevada is, is a red lion in. That's all it is. <laughs> and it was, I think it was when meth was first starting or it became really big then. So it was like you could go to the Walmart, that's all you could do, or you could go to the show. It was the most depressing three months I had ever had there was so much uh, the sound people did nothing but cause trouble they started gossip and they would report and it was like you know as a comedian if you make a mistake in a club the club owner comes over you are told either you agree or you disagree it's done right there would be the sound people told someone in the casino went through you get a phone call from someone who wasn't even there going why why what happened last night and you're like i don't know what happened last night are you all right i was like and it was the most it was like red tape it was uh, Elko, the, the summer that I left, I always joked the whole town was taken over by crickets in a match of wits because they, <laughs> the whole town got taken over by crickets. Like it was the most out there, horrible place ever I had. And three months, I, I couldn't, I was ready to hang myself for being in, that, in that hotel for three months. One time I came down, they had to redo the parking lot so instead of waking me up and asking me to move my car, six guys picked up my car and moved it to a different parking lot. And I couldn't find my car. It was it was like the craziest things happened there. Wow. How do you uh how do you deal with that as as just trying to stay mentally like it into terrible. it and not yeah. Yeah, I thought I was oh, I'll get all this writing done. No. They would have like three people at every show and it was so disheartening. And then there was uh, squabbles with the people in the bell. The, the lead singer was starting fights with them. It was crazy. It was like, oh, I will never do anything for three months again. I, I, I can really appreciate that story because uh, I have one very similar where I was in Branson, Missouri for three months. Oh. And <laughs> it was uh, uh, along the same lines. Uh, although Branson is, you know, a lot like Vegas without the gambling and the the sand fun. and the fun and <laughs> every, you know, uh, nice people. There's definitely nice people, but it was all. Uh, the, we were in a theater that sat 400, and the biggest crowd we had was 36 on free oh ticket night. Oh my god! Oh, that's like <laughs> open mic every night. Yeah, and it was. Uh, you know, you had to do an hour, you know, every night for single digits. Whenever it was double digits, we're like, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be so good. <laughs> you know what else, though? Comics are wanderers. 
Like, mm. I don't know how people do a show. Like, I have friends that are happy. I have one show, a friend that's in Vegas. She's in a showroom show every night, happy as anything. I, I have to move around. I have to see other people. I have to. I can't do that. Yeah, that's uh, and especially if it depending on it depends on I think too where you are. If you're in a nice place where uh, you have everything nearby, but if you're some you know Elko, Elko <laughs> yeah, then you're you're probably looking to to, uh, to find something else. Um, so you've obviously seen a lot of comedy and a lot of comedians. What is one of the biggest mistakes, or what are some of the biggest mistakes you see young comics make? Uh, starting off too dirty. Mm. And, it, and it's not that they, they can be a dirty comic, and plenty of dirty comics do great. But if they start out too dirty, they're limiting where they can play. Um, and if, they, if you can work clean, you can shift to dirty, and you'll be the best dirty comic there is. If you just start dirty, and you're, you're used to getting those laughs that are, um, shall we say, shock laughs, Mm -hmm. You know, where mm -hmm. like the F word will give you a shock. It'll put a shock in there when you need it. Yep. So, um, but if you're starting out filthy, uh, you're going to have a long road ahead of you. Right. Because you're basically going to be stuck to open mics for <laughs> a very long time. Right. If you can get, if you can get even fairly clean um, and then in other places you are go dirty, that's great, but always be able to handle that clean because that's going to later really turn into something. You know, I think you know. I know that I have been clean, uh, which sometimes if I work a club, I'll swear or something. I'm not, um, I'm not Jerry Seinfeld, and I have a couple of dirty jokes. But clean has got me so much corporate. It's unbelievable mm. the amount of money that clean has made me. Yeah, that, that's what they say. Clean is green. So. Uh, <laughs> that's the slogan. Um, and like I said, you can always dirty it up. Uh, and the other thing too, I, I found, uh, cause I really like the challenge of, of not, uh, swearing or, or talking about certain things, even on like a late show. Um, so what I try to do is I change my attitude. So I'm generally more like, Hey, friendly, bubbly or whatever. And then when I do the late show, I get more of like a, a sarcastic, and that still gives that same feel that the the later edgier crowd would look for, and you don't have to change anything, which is nice. Right, right. So that's always a, a fun technique. Um, so, what advice besides uh, working uh, clean would you have for for newer comics? Um, I mean, the big one we always get is is to uh, to stay uh, to to get up as much as possible. So, but get up uh, as much as possible. Try not to get caught, and everyone does this. You, show business creates a lot of people who are victims because, you know, I think actors, actors have to go in and they have to be what that person is looking for. So they, I don't know how they do it. I don't know why they don't, I would kill myself if I was an actor because you can be the best actor in the world, but if you don't look like what they want, you're done. Right. So I say, um, we always will, we'll always be able to see the other guy got the part. The woman got the part. We can always see where we didn't get it and why. But that, don't let that become who you are. Because if mm. you do that, you're done. You're not going to go anywhere. But if you turn around and go, well, there's another contest. There's another thing. There's another audition. And you just keep hitting it. That's the, the most beautiful thing about comedy 
that the music industry and the actors can't do is the more that you're you, the bigger the payoff. Hmm. The more that you're quirky you. You know, I have a friend that hates this, but actors are trying to be other people. Comics are trying to be themselves. Mm -hmm. and, and nobody else can be you. Nobody else can be you. That's the greatest thing. So don't get caught in the, I didn't get it because this, or, or you know, I'm, I was funnier and I lost the contest. Everybody knew I was the funniest one. Back off and just remember there will be another show. Right. That's great advice. <clears throat> That's really great advice. Um, so again, we're talking to uh, Karen Rontowski. Uh, you can follow her on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube at Rontowski, R-O-N-T-O-W-S-K-I and at KarenRontowski.com. Uh, you can check out her Dry Bar Comedy Special at Dry Bar Comedy slash Karen. And um, we talked a little bit about um, female comics and you know being a female uh, comedian. Do you, how do you feel it's the perception has changed because I know like especially uh, early mid 80s, it was very, you know, there was a different uh, kind of feel for uh, female comics. How do you feel the perception has changed now here in like 2020? Uh, I, you know, it's funny because I think everything has changed because when you were a female comedian uh, in the 80s, and I think Ellen was big then or and maybe Paul Poundstone. Mm -hmm. So this is how much society has changed. They would always say, how come all you comedians are lesbians? Which was not true, number one. But number two, um, that was supposed to be a dig at you. Like it was supposed to be bad. Like they were going, you're a lesbian. Like it was, right. and now it's like, who cares? Right. Which is wonderful for society, you know? In fact, if, if you are gay, it's like, great. We got a show, we got our gay show coming up. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Before it was really... Uh, although I do think gay males still have, there's terrible prejudice against uh, gay males in comedy. Um, but uh, I think now there's a reach for diversity. Mm -hmm. So, and there's also um, a lot of all female shows. And you know what? They sell out. Like that's the, that's the world going, yeah, we'd love a, you know, the funniest Housewives of Orange County will sell out right like, and so i think it has changed um i don't anymore i don't get, get brought up with people saying are you ready for a woman or this one next one is a comedian or um anything like that in fact i think now it's rare it's getting rarer where you see a show with just guys yeah i think so too and you mentioned the, the funniest housewives uh and you just have killers all over that that series of shows oh, yeah. that just yeah, yeah. the women on that show are just so, so funny. And I know you're part of that as well. Um, yeah. I, I think it's, it's a great thing that uh, like, I, I never say comedian. I, I just think that's, you know, it's kind of like saying actress. It's like, no, they're, they're an actor. You're a comedian. Like it's, you know, I guess it's semantics, but it's, it's just one of those things where uh, you, you see, so, and so many different styles and so many, like you look at someone like a Maria Bamford, who I, I absolutely adore. I think she is one of the funniest and you have Sarah Silverman. And then, you know, I love Paula Poundstone. And um, I, I always say that she is like the greatest in at crowd work that I've ever seen. She's just so amazing. And so there's this whole, you know, litany of, <clears throat> of female comics out there now. And I, I think it's like you said, it's everything now. Um, there's so many different types of, you know, ethnic comics and, you know, um, 
you know, uh, European and all different cultures. And it's, it's been a, a great thing to see. You know, it's funny because pardon me while I look real quick, mm -hmm. um, but there just yesterday I was on Twitter and this woman popped up and talk about funny. Her name is, um, Oh, I can't, I can't find her now. She has an, uh, she has a, um, the, the, what's the show that, um, Seth Myers with Seth Myers and it's, she does a segment called say what? And okay. I, I had never heard of her. So funny. So funny. There's so many funny women out there. And the other perception was that they only talk about female things, mm -hmm. which is amazing because you hear men talk about female things, not females talk about female things. So I think everybody's just sort of grown into it's just be who you are if you're a lady that had babies and that's your material then do it it's no longer like oh she's doing female things it's like right you know yeah it's getting it's all becoming a little bit equal and in anything that changes in society if it doesn't start with comedy or it doesn't move it's when it moves to comedy that it becomes popular like mm. the paranormal shows were a little cultish and then the last step when you knew it was going to be big is when it hit comedy, when it hit stand-up, where there's a lot of stand-ups that do that now. But that's with everything, diversity, everything. It, when it hits with comedy, it hits everywhere. Yeah, that's really, it's cool. And, and you also had those you know, perceptions of, uh, you know, oh, uh, you're only on stage because you slept with somebody or you're you right. know, dating this person. You know, I'm a little out of the gossip because I kind of, I'm really good at, I just kind of do my thing and then mm -hmm. I move along. In fact, I'm always kind of behind on who's the it person or who I'm, what show I'm supposed to be on, which actually is really makes me always feel more comfortable. But um, yeah, I haven't even heard anyone say anything like that in years. That's, and that's a great thing. So, um, so yeah. So do you have a, a, a ritual or anything that you do uh, before you go on stage? Uh, Cause you said, you know, you kind of stay to yourself um because well, some comics a club. okay a club i'm talking to everyone but i but not about the things i probably should be like my business right um <laughs> everything else i only have one ritual and i just check to make sure my flies up there you go <laughs> that's a very important one <laughs> that's a very important one um so we're gonna get uh talking to uh about um this organization in a minute, but do you have any, uh, before we do that, do you have any like really funny audience stories that you could share, uh, from a show that something weird that happened or what's one of the weirdest things that's happened to you within a, while doing a show? So many weird things have happened. <laughs> I've had fights break out. I've had heart attacks. Um, really? I have had, yes, I had, a, I literally had a show that was going unbelievably well in a theater and then the then i heard someone yell yell get 911 call 911 and sh and the guy was choking he couldn't he couldn't they had to take him out and then he came back in and i was like what happened and he was like i was just laughing too hard i choked and called 911 <laughs> and then actually 3 years later he came back to the show again wow risking death again yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's always, there's always, there's, I'm sure there's a million things that have gone wrong. Oh, um, yeah. I can't remember. And usually during the tarot show, I have to be careful. And I say in the beginning of the show, 
if you're with someone, don't ask about them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Um, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit uh, uh, about um, this organization that uh, we were talking about before we started filming, or um, and it's called My Friend's Place. Uh, can you yes. tell us a little bit about uh, My Friend's Place? Uh, My Friend's Place works with homeless teens in Los Angeles, and they provide everything for them, whether it's um, dog food for their dogs or clothing or... Um, it's just a really great organization. I did something with them, I think, um, a couple months ago. And I had been, I had, I had seen them on and off. Uh, they feed the kids. Uh, and also, they have a real nice thing where you can go to their website and they have an Amazon list. So if you don't have a little money, you can literally go to their Amazon list and you click and you buy it and it gets sent directly to them. And sometimes it's the things you don't think about. Sometimes they just need underwear. They just need a bag of underwear for somebody mm. that doesn't have clean underwear. They always can use deodorant. They can always use chapstick. Just these small things that you can spend 20 bucks and have it sent to them. You don't even have to go buy. But it's just a really great organization for homeless teens in LA. That's awesome. And it's, uh, if you're interested, it's uh, my friend, uh, myfriendsplace.org. Um, www.myfriendsplace.org. They're also on Facebook at MFP Hollywood. They're on Twitter at MFPLA. And they're on Instagram at My Friends Place. And uh, again, that's for homeless teens. And it's uh, an amazing cause. And it's one of my favorite things about doing this, this podcast is we get to hear about all these really cool uh, organizations that uh, you wouldn't otherwise know. So, so if you have, you know, some, like I said, if you have 10 bucks, even 20 bucks, whatever, uh, go in and, you know, donate or check out their Amazon link. Yeah. And Send them six chapsticks for 10 bucks. And, and it, you know, you never know what is going to change somebody. I, uh, I ride my bike every day. And so I just put waters in the basket. And as I pass the homeless guys, have a water, have a water, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. it means a lot. They don't have it just means a lot. So every little bit means a lot. Yeah. Was there a, um, a reason that, that that kind of called to you or was it just you just stumbled upon them and you were just like, no, this is. You mean my friend's place? Yes. Yeah. They, um, a friend that I really uh, like asked me to do, uh, they had a show and I did a little tarot reading for them. But I thought, you know, I, I just, it just calls out to me. It's kids. It's hard enough being a kid. Now you're a yeah. homeless kid. What is, you know, how mean is that world? Right. Yeah. So definitely, again, check them out. My Friends Place, myfriendsplace.org uh, on Facebook, uh, MFP Hollywood, Twitter, MFPLA, and Instagram at My Friends Place. <clears throat> and uh, please uh, check them out and donate if you can. Um, and also, I want to thank Karen one more time for being here. Thank you so much, Karen. Uh, check her uh, comedy special out at drybarcomedy.com slash Karen. Uh, you can check out karenrontowski.com. Follow her on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Rontowski, uh, at Rontowski, R-O-N-T-O-W-S-K-I. And I want to thank everyone for tuning in and listening and watching. And Karen, thank you so much for, for taking Anytime time today. Him. 